Greetings, and welcome to Beatles Stuffology, where two old friends sit around and talk BS, Beatles stuff, on a track-by-track basis, pretty much for the sake of it. My name is JG McQuarrie, and I am here with my co-host, Andrew Deacon. Say hi, Andrew. Hello. How are you doing? Well, here I lie with a shiver in my bones, just thinking about the weather. Is that a good thing? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, um, we're doing our Follow the Sun uh, today, and, and um, it's a very slight song. It's a nice song. Um, but it's a song that focuses on the weather. So um, I, I've just been um, having songs run around my head to do with the weather. And that's um, a song called Like the Weather from uh, 10,000 Maniacs' second album. Uh, it's quite good. They're worth a listen. I do like Natalie Merchant. Nothing wrong with a bit of 10,000 Maniacs. Uh, let's steer clear, clear of Crowded House, though. I still have traumatic memories from my university days of having to listen to Wooden Face, and I'm not keen to revisit them under any circumstances. Although I, w- I will admit that my dislike of Crowded House in, in the first year of university was, was largely performative. Wood Face is actually a really good album. I just, um, I just found myself not liking it because I think I was being a music snob. Um, and thought that the kind of friends that we had who did like it were know-nothing females, and now I'm the know-nothing person. And so I apologise, everybody. I was wrong, and being an arsehole on purpose. <laughs> Excellent. Good. I, I, I'm sure literally none of our university friends listen to this, but okay, <laughs> at, least, at, least they'll, at least they'll be basking, the non-listening people will be basking in the glow of that non-apology. Um, lovely. Right. Okay. Um, I'll follow the sun. Yeah. Um, it's rather nice. It's a, it's a rather lovely song. I really like it. I'm not all that sure how much I have to say about it, uh, which is a bit of a problem. But yeah, it's it's a really it's a really lovely little song. It's a really pretty little song, and it's very nicely put together. So I I think it's a song that um, would have been better put out on a release, um, say late sixty two or early sixty three. It's kind of got a feel of something that they could have worked up into a song that would have gone quite nicely as an accompaniment to say, Love Me Do. It's got that sort of pleasant rhythm um, that's that feels quite sweet. They're, they're sort of vaguely innocent lyrics, um, even though you could argue that they're kind of like a Paul version of some of John's, um, you know what, I'm, I'm going to be all right, or we don't need each other kind of thing. Um, it just feels that perhaps in in sixty four, it is what it is, which is filler that they they put in because they didn't have enough original songs, and we do know, and you know, we are we are nothing if not a podcast that that revels in trying to find something different to say, but there are times when we have to say the obvious, and that's you know as far as we're aware, McCartney wrote this in in fifty nine, and there are tales of him. In the house in Liverpool on the piano, etc., 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 and it kind of feels like a, a song that someone might have written at the start of their songwriting career. I think that's fair. Although having said that, there is a degree of sophistication to it, um, which uh, mm-hmm. kind of belies that fairly early start. Um, this isn't um, unlike the last song we were talking about, rock and roll music, which is just a three chord 
uh, sort of whack. There's 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 a bit of work in this, and it's not just uh, it's not just kind of very standard cars. There's a, a C add ninth, a C seventh, an F minor sixth, a D minor seventh. So there's a bit of there's a bit of work going into the musicality of it. it it's not just as straightforward as you know uh, you know like an EAB sort of thing. So there's there, there's a bit of work, and you can hear that. But the, the fact that it's a very kind of pretty melody, and the fact that it's a very kind of charming instrumental um or sorry the instrumentation is very charming i mean um you can you can you can feel those little enhancements coming through i think i think you're absolutely right about saying it it, it maybe belongs on a slightly earlier album i can imagine it being a uh, i mean you mentioned love me do but i think it, it feels very of a piece with something like uh, till there was you it's that kind of it's that kind of ballad. It's it's a very traditional kind of song, um, and I don't mean that as a slight in any way. But the Beatles have kind of moved out of that environment now, or are certainly transitioning away from that direct style. It's not to say it'll never come back, but it's it's definitely one of those aspects that feels of the past rather than of the future. So I've got two things um, that come out two of, things. Of, of what you just said. Two things. Um, bingo. Tick. Um, first things first would you be able to say which bits are 59 and which bits are 64 do you know not off the top of my head no okay I'm wondering if the um, um, you know the harmonies the, um, you know that that section might be more of a of a later addition for for example okay. I would think so, so. The, the second one I know that um, McCartney has said that he considers it a ballad but I'm, I'm trying to work out what is it that makes it um, a ballad is it just the perhaps the romantic element to it or is it the is it the rhythm is it the pace I think the sentimentality of it leans into it being okay. a ballad and it has that sort of slight I don't know if the lyric is heavy enough to be able to bear the word of the uh, narrative but it has a it has a narrative feel to it even although um, lyrically it it, it, it it's actually kind of interesting from a lyrical perspective um you know it it's it's somebody who hasn't left yet but clearly ha is planning on it you know one day you'll look to see i've gone for tomorrow may rain so i'll follow the sun um but the implication is he hasn't actually gone yet i guess um so, so that's kind of a slightly interesting perspective especially from so it's, somebody that, it's that future nostalgia that yeah. we've spoken about before, isn't it? Yeah, um, exactly. We can't be writing about something that may happen that we might possibly, uh, we might possibly regret, um, like on uh, things we said today. Yes, precisely that. It's, it's exactly the same perspective in that. Um, and so, yeah, I think that I think that sort of narrative uh, position kind of leans into its sort of balladry. Yeah, it's it's relatively slow. slow uh, it's sentimental, it's very sentimental actually, um, and and rather wistful. And I guess those elements sort of push it into sort of ballad territory. It's 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 maybe not hundred percent fit, but I think that I think there is probably more than enough in this song to justify calling it that. Fair enough. I mean, I I would put it in the in the camp of of songs that on the surface seem very sophisticated and and clever, um, but. Then, if you start to look at it in a little bit more depth, you realise that actually, it's not. It's it's just it's all surface. But that's fine. That's that's again, you know, often one of my themes, isn't it? That that the, the best lyrics are ones that that sound as though they 
they've got something to say but don't put them under too much scrutiny because you'll remove the the magic this is very much in in that camp and that's that's fine that's fine that's what we're after is we're after something that's going to last two minutes take us away from you know a very average cover of rock and roll music and and take us then hopefully hopefully towards something that's going to finish this side a little bit better he said knowingly um, <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe not. but it's it's the idea is there um i mean it's it, yeah and at least it doesn't have the same kind of menacing edge that that a lennon lyric would have had for the same kind of thing we're not stalking we're not looking through someone's window and seeing them with someone else we're talking about a little bit of regret okay i lose a friend right and you'll realize at some point that that hey i would have been really good to hang around with it's not saying it's going to completely wreck our lives or you know i'm i'm going to be absolutely miserable and basically throw myself off the nearest bridge um it's nice but but that sort of thing is also very teenage poetry isn't it you know why do nice girls hate me kind of thing yeah exactly um but yeah that that the fact that it doesn't have that that more uh dark edge uh serves the song very well i mean you say yeah that it you know it, it, two minutes to get us away from you know whatever if this doesn't even manage to scrape two minutes it's one minute 48 <laughs> seconds long it's incredibly short um but i think in this case I, I think that's probably the right call i don't know that adding a bridge or a middle eight or something would add an awful lot to the song it's its charm is in its simplicity and its its brevity kind of adds to that i think like you said it, if you dig into it too far it kind of it cracks a little bit uh but because it's so short there isn't that much time when you're listening to it for that to occur whereas if it went on i think maybe the the the, 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 the sort of flaws in it might become more apparent but because it's very it's very compact it's very short it's fine it, it it goes by and and it kind of glosses over what could otherwise develop into sort of more uh more issues for the song so in that in that sense yeah. like its brevity is actually very much its strength and there are some some notable things going on i think um the guitar break is uh, works really well it's very simple straightforward and apparently the only take on which an electric guitar was actually played um, so that's quite interesting that they threw it in. It worked and they thought, yep, we're going with that. Um, it's very much the kind of song that you can imagine slapping your thighs to um, or maybe playing some spoons or, or forks as, as percussion, which, you know what, uh, well, not the spoons and forks, but the slapping of the <laughs> thighs uh, turns out to be you know real, but you can talk about Ringo in a moment. And and the harmonies. The harmonies uh, um, add to that kind of misty-eyed, nostalgia sentimentality as well it, it it's sort of the the lennon's line underneath gives it that that kind of hard-edged sense of regret mccartney's line over the top um sort of suggests that that um that broken heart if you like although the lyrics don't quite say broken heart but you know it's, two, it's implicit yeah the, the two together it, in in that respect it works really really well whether or not I could say any more about each of those things, I, I think really you've probably said about as much as as you could because you know it's it's one minute fifty of nice things but not great things. 
Um, yeah, I should say something nice about Ringo, given that I was critical last episode, and his thigh slapping is top tier. I don't think there's any question about that. Nice thighs, Ringo. Nice thighs, exactly. That's, that's what he's known for, old thighs, Ringo. Um, yeah. it's, <laughs> and I, Peace I, I can, and thigh. Peace and thigh. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, I completely agree with the uh, the, the uh, harmonies as well. I think they're lovely, um, really, really effective. It's a gorgeous little guitar solo from George, um, really kind of pulling out the bag on, on a song that didn't necessarily deserve it. I do really like the fact that it's an electric guitar as well. It stops everything becoming too twee. I think if it had been yeah. like a flamenco or like a Spanish acoustic, uh, it would have sounded a bit, it would have been even more like something like Till There Was You. And it would have been, I, I think it might have been a bit cloying, um, but that electric guitar just helps to cut through that slightly, just gives it, not an edge. That's that's that would be far too strong a word for it. But it just it just adds a little something without it without it just falling into the kind of the t- tweeness of of of, of, of a, a classical guitar. That's really nice. That's it. There isn't anything else on this song, is there? <laughs> well, I mean, I I do think it is worth um, thinking in a little bit more depth about uh, the sun and the rain. For example, to uh, the madness song. Thank you very much. Um, I, I was hoping you'd pick up on that because, of course, in this song it's rain and then sun. Anyway, um, for four to that refrain comes up quite a lot. Tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. Now I'm interested in the fact that the first time it says for tomorrow may rain, which is a little bit more, you know, sort of teenage poetry kind of thing. Like let's let's try and sound a little bit more sophisticated. Before we then move on to, but but you know, so it's interesting how he's constructed that first verse, so that um, it's a case of this is why you'll see I've gone because you know tomorrow may rain, so I'll follow the sun. See what I mean? It makes no sense when you think about it. it makes no sense. Although I will read you a quote from someone who tried to make sense of it, and I don't think it makes sense, but he's tried to make sense of it. But the thing about this is, it's interesting that we've got that for tomorrow, and then some buts. But then actually after um, we have one day you'll find, you know, we're on about the third verse. Oh, after the first, a lot of the harmony, we go back to that again. But then we get, yeah, tomorrow may rain. So I'll follow the sun, which I think, okay, that's changing your audience a bit there, Paul. But, you know, that's fine. You know, perhaps you've gone for the till there was you style of, uh, of approach. Here's one for the older people. But we want to throw in some of that younger um, um, language just so we can have that, that um, you know appeal to everybody I may be overreaching there that's fine but the whole rain and, and the sun thing I think it's hilarious I'm going to read you a quote from um, um, the book A Hard Day's Right by Steve Turner now I haven't read the book it may well be an excellent book it has very very good reviews on, on Amazon Um, But someone has put this quote into Genius.com for this and says, Paul knows that stormy weather may hit his relationship and so he makes plans to follow the sun. A selfish song in a way because it doesn't consider how the abandoned girl might find her own sunshine. It was nonetheless an accurate reflection of Paul's romantic life. Well, there's a... (laughs) That's a sentence. But I mean, it's two actually, but um, yeah. I, don't, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um. I mean, yeah. That. I mean, there. It's not the first 
person to observe that uh, that there is a, a degree of selfishness to this, a degree of um, maybe solipsism. Is that too big a word for this? I don't know. Um, I think uh, well, it's, it's, it's definitely not pathetic fallacy, which is almost what um, what Steve seems to be suggesting. Really, um, pathetic fallacy, which of course is the bane of every GCSE and A level English teacher, um, possibly the most misused term uh, by the by the young people of, of today. So you know, it was a dark and stormy night. Right. Okay. Um, all right. So okay, I'll we'll start with that, and I, I'll not going to get into poker again. We did that on the last episode. We're not going to raise you, but I'll I'll add to it with um with this this little thing. Um, it's a newspaper headline, um, and then the the strap that goes with it. So Britain loved the Beatles because they sang about the weather. Headline from uh, 2015 in the in the Daily Telegraph. Uh, the article's by Sarah Napton. Out of 308 songs penned by the Fab Four, by the way, penned by, love. I love that. That's, that's such great journalese. Fab Four as well. We can't say the Beatles again. We've used that in the headline. So of the 308, out of 308 songs penned by the Fab Four, 48, bracket 16%, make reference to the weather, comma, Wait for it. Researchers found. <laughs> I am repeating a thing I have read, but have no further justification for this fact being included. I love, absolutely love the, the thought that uh, that she thinks this is a, um, a, a relevant piece of academic research. Well, it turns out it is a piece of academic research. Now, um, I'm not sure if you're aware, um, dear listener, um, Daily Telegraph is not a newspaper that um, I find myself reading unless I absolutely have to. And online, thankfully, I mean, there aren't any circumstances in which I absolutely might have to. You know, we, we're going to you, you to read the Daily Telegraph. You, <laughs> you read the Daily Telegraph. Um, I, I, I can't be bothered to, to create an account in order to read the rest of that article. And I think there's a paywall anyway for the Daily Telegraph, so I'm certainly not going to be reading that. However, cut to the chase, um, University of Reading. Is there a rhythm of the rain, an analysis of weather in popular music? So there is actually some, um, some research, and I'm pretty sure that this is the research that is being cited in that article, um, even though I can't see enough of the article to confirm <laughs> But there are, um, yeah, but the complete list of authors, you'll like this, includes someone from the University of Southampton and Tyndall Centre for Climate Change Research, okay, um, Department of Physics at the University of Oxford, um, University of Manchester um, Centre for Climate Change Research and Mechanical and Aerospace Civil Engineering, um, let's see, University of Reading, Department of Meteorology, and National Centre for Atmospheric Science, which I think is really, really interesting that, that they presumably at a conference got together, had far too many drinks and thought, I know what we'll do. We'll basically do some research from a very, very reliable source um, uh, and look at as many songs as we possibly can in which the weather gets mentioned. That's great. The, the very reliable source seems to be a catalogue of um, karaoke songs. But let's, let's, not, let's not necessarily get into that. But actually, if you think about it, the, what was it, 16%? It's quite a, quite a hefty number. That's a chunk. Yeah, that's not nothing. 
It is, and 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 therefore you you wonder. I wonder because I do that kind of thing. I I sit bolt upright in bed at night, wondering: Did the Beatles start this craze for for writing songs about the weather? Um, it's you know, it's quite interesting. By the way, I'm, I'm not joking about the karaoke database. By the way, they use um, um, Carafun due to its size, consistency, and availability of lyrics compared with alternatives. Now, in here, you know, they're, they're not just obviously not talking about the Beatles, um, but they are also, you know, thinking about songs like This Is A Low, for example. So it's not taking the mick. It's just saying, well, actually, it's quite interesting because, you know, we have lots and lots of international listeners, over half our listeners in America, for example. I think only about 20% are from the United Kingdom. Um, and if nothing else, one of the cliches about British people is we like to talk about the weather. We love phatic communication, those empty conversations about nothing because it's so much easier to talk about the weather and how your football team did last night than it is to actually talk about something that, that causes you particular pain. We, we just, you know, we're just not into that. So the weather seems like a natural thing to um, to use, whether it's it just in a basic reference or, you know, as some sort of, you know, metaphor as well. But I'm sure as, as we go through, we will find heaps of Beatles songs um, and we've probably missed a few already. There will be loads. Some of them are blatantly obvious. Um, but, you know, it'll be fun. It'll be fun because this is a fun thing to do. Um, and hopefully they got paid good money for this kind of research. I certainly hope so. Um Rain is usually used to portray the entire emotional spectrum from positive to change or simply happiness, i.e. singing in the rain. There you go. Whereas others are more cryptic, such as MacArthur Park, which compares a cake left out in the rain and its recipe with a broken romance. And it's total bollocks. Yeah, yeah. Or they're just words that's fitted and sounded kind of nice. So, you know, that's what we went for. Um, but yeah, they're also, you know, they, they've, they've gone through and they've, they've sort of looked at the various um, um, genres as well. Some they've, they've ascribed some genres to. So it's, I mean, it's a fun bit of, um, it's, it's a fun bit of research. Yes, yeah, There's evidence that some popular music composers were inspired by very, uh, by, uh, by a few very sunny days, e.g., Good day, sunshine. So therefore, perhaps McCartney was influenced by both a sunny day and a rainy day. But it's raining in my heart. Maybe there's the Buddy Holly connection there. Could be. Could be. Right. Okay. I, I think I've gone off, off on about that enough now. But it's it's um um it's it's worth having a look at. And I tell you what, folks. Um, I will send JG a link to this afterwards. And for the first time in what this be about episode 55, you can find a link to it in the show notes. That's right. <laughs> right. Um, with, the, with the kind of summer we've had, I have to say, I can't stand the rain. Okay, right. Well, uh, personally, I'm only happy when it rains. But, you know, that's, that's just my own personal proclivity. So we don't want to get into that too much. <laughs> Right, okay, let's pull this down. Uh, what do you want to give? I'll follow this on. Um, 
actually no i'm going to pause you there because um we've we've missed something and we've we've missed possibly um the most fun thing about this okay um and and that's that's cover versions okay because it's kind of an unusual one because i do want to say um um that you have to have a listen to the beat bugs episode um on i'll follow the sun because jennifer hudson does an absolutely glorious um version of it where she gives it real oomph and you know the the notes the vibrato is all over the place but it's it's great fun but in particular um the one that really surprised me and i knew nothing about and and i kind of hope that maybe there's some listeners out there who know nothing about it as well is the 1965 cover by one glyn johns which really surprised me and really interested me as well and there's a couple of reasons why it interested me firstly on the low notes he sounds not unlike John Cale, which is an interesting comparison to make, but it does soften as he goes for the higher notes. There's some interesting harmonising in there, not all in the same place as Lennon McCartney. There's a female voice that comes in towards the end of the verse, for example, which is quite interesting. But it's also what sounds like um, um, a really interesting... Now, I, I could be getting the instrument completely wrong and making a connection here that's that's not there, but there's a really interesting piccolo solo. Okay. Not not words you hear very often. No. And probably will you only hear once more in all of the episodes that we're going to talk about. And, you know, I'm not saying that, that perhaps there's a connection there. I, You know, it may well be that McCartney never listened to uh, Glyn John's version. And that there may be Penny Lane's association with that instrument is completely coincidental. I just thought it was um, it was interesting, and I would definitely recommend that, um, that that people go and have a listen to it. Normally, we we just take the mick out of, of some of the cover versions, but I think it's 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 not necessarily brilliant, but it's interesting and definitely worth a listen. It's five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good reason, and thank you. Uh, I think I'm going to go slightly higher than five out of ten. I think I'll. I'll give it six. Um, it's yeah, it's, it's fairly minor. I'm aware minor. that I'm being mean. I am aware that I'm being mean, especially because, you know, I said rock and roll music was a five out of ten. Um, but they're both slight in their own way. And, and they, they both, even though we said that this, this should transition you from rock and roll music towards the greatness that comes afterwards, it's, <laughs> it could have done with, with some more some more work. Here you go, Paul. Here's your advice. It needed a bit more writing. Good. I'm. I'm sure Paul will take all of that into uh, into account when he listens to this, and um, will be grateful for the input that you have now given him. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. Right. Before we offend any uh, other Beatles, living or or dead, we can probably wrap things up there. I uh, think we're can... okay to offend the dead ones. Thanks. <laughs> Well, that's true. Okay, uh, you can really get a hold of us by email. Uh, you won't, but you can. Uh, we are Beatlesophology at gmail.com. Uh, we are on Twitter, stroke X, uh, at Beatles underscore ology. Uh, we are Beatlesophology on Instagram. And you can find my blog at www.jgmacquarie.scot and Andrew's writing at www.stophology.co.uk. Please also check out my other podcast, Talking Trek to You where a noob and an expert go through the original series of Star Trek episode by episode. Uh, please like, rate and review us on whatever podcatcher you're using so that more people can find the show. Next episode, 
Mr. Moonlight, or words to that effect. And if you can stand to listen to either the song or the episode, we will very much enjoy what you bring to the table. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way for sure. But until then, keep listening.